Welcome to Think 50 Fit. This is Lab of Me, episode 12. Think Fit, Be Fit, effective thinking for potent workouts. Think Fit, Be Fit is dedicated to creating a new conversation about your exercise. Our podcast helps to uncover how the fitness industry has misled us. And it will show you that if you believe in your ability to improve your body through exercise, you don't need to rely on diluted or shallow information. From there, you can then educate yourself about the thing you are trying to change, your body. Then by engaging in a process of self-mastery, you will discover the secrets of exercise. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the founder of Think Fit Be Fit podcast. As a full-time muscle activation technique specialist, strength and conditioning coach, and detailed-oriented personal trainer, I developed this podcast to help ensure that your time in the gym is well spent and that you have the power of enhancing your exercise with effective thinking. This podcast is an educational resource designed for those who have overcome injury and want to stay healthy. Denver, Colorado today. I just finished an MATRX class and I am so excited to bring you another episode about hamstrings because the ultimate opportunity with being fit and staying fit is carrying over strength from decade to decade. Hamstrings are majorly important because this group of muscles are such a common hurdle for active people. Not knowing how to make them more flexible, not knowing how to target their weaknesses, and how they can fail us during high-speed movements, which impacts the knee ligaments directly, which is a direct impact on your orthopedic health. This isn't the first or last time I'll say this. Healthy muscle mass is one of the keys to successful aging. It's scary to think that this can be taken away with a single injury, a single injury that compounds into an exercise and wellness roadblock. The solution with Think Fit Be Fit is to learn more about the thing you are trying to change, your body your mechanics, and your motion. So before we get into this third installment of hamstring, strength, weakness, and tightness, check out my guide on weak and tight hamstrings. You can find it on the show notes on my Instagram link and at jenschwartz.cartra.com forward slash page forward slash hamstrings might be easier just to go in the show notes to get that one in and or my Instagram which is impact underscore your underscore fitness what that's all about is basically I've been sharing all my secrets about hamstrings and let's not leave out this fun juicy part of actually strengthening them 
and potentially gaining the sought-after aesthetics of strong hamstrings. They are delicious, and we all know that. If you haven't listened to at least one of the first two podcasts or downloaded that guide, you really haven't earned the right to this episode because it is about applying really, the best word I have is elegant and smart and efficient techniques to your strength training for hamstrings, which will improve your hips, your knees, your lower back, and enable you to be better at all types of exercise and activity. And the problem with not engaging with those first two episodes or the guide is that you'll be practicing one of the biggest faults of the fitness industry. And that is not understanding why you're doing something, why you're targeting an area of muscles. And I strongly believe that the fitness industry is really missing this, especially when it comes to strength training and is even more so with old injuries. So if you are a active listener to this podcast, you've probably experienced pains, aches, injuries, and muscle issues. The problem of not understanding the why of what you're strengthening is a bigger one for y'all because the stakes are higher. Missing out on training and strengthening weak areas is a huge opportunity cost to your future orthopedic health and therefore the health of your entire nervous system and essentially your body. If we can't exercise, we wither away. We all know this. And that means knowing the specifics of the hamstrings can save you from excruciating episodes of back pain, even just occasional ones, slowing your exercise down. It could save you from feeling disconnected to your body when it comes to exercise. And before we transition to these principles that we can apply to hamstring strengthening, and this is serious, like inside information from an for exercise science followers, if you will. Like this is information that ninety nine percent of trainers do not understand. So if you're if you're a trainer listening to this, like that is great. You are accessing my education, which is worth has a retail value of over $100,000. And when I said retail value, I had like a price is right vision in my head, but that's not what I mean. You, I'm talking about how much my education has cost without any scholarships or whatever, not with any interest made to any school loans or whatever. So anyways, before we get to that point, I have to revisit something about hamstring tightness. And while this is not medical advice, this is a story about herniated disc, multiple disc, and hamstring tightness. The warning 
is that hamstring tightness really might be a check engine light that disc injuries are present. The impact of this is devastating to say the least. So the impact of a injury that would create debilitating back pain where you can't function. If any of you have had that, you know exactly what I mean. And for those of you who haven't, it really does take you out of life for an extended period of time. Even with the best care, that'll still take you out of life and being functional for like six weeks. Most of us can't afford that, like emotionally, financially, physically, anything. So it's these type of episodes are devastating to say the least, especially when it comes to exercise. In this example, however, it was a blessing to one of my colleagues out of Montreal. His name is Ryan, and I will link to his Instagram. And he's a good follow if you're interested in learning how to overcome herniated disc and that injury in general. The short story is that he had hip trauma associated with jumping out of planes in the military 27 years ago. He was also a self-admitted powerlifting bro, meaning lifting enormous amounts of weight with very little regard to safety and mechanics. And he basically was set up for lots of disc injuries. It only manifested this summer. So 27 years ago, had a hip trauma and was evaluated for injury back then by the Canadian military. And fast forward a couple decades and a, you know, he had some, he's had some major illness in his life and was on a lot of medications. This manifested into a debilitating episode of back pain where he could not move from a face-up in-bed position for five hours at a time. And he is now, so short story, 15 pounds lighter off of heavy pharmaceuticals that he was previously on and and is now pain-free without even taking NSAIDs or pain medications because of some other complications with a previous illness. And that was a six-week process. The long story of becoming debilitated to pain-free. The long story is for another podcast, and I've invited him on the podcast for the last quarter of 2019. However, the important point here is in the leading up to the episode of back pain and not being able to move were warning signs in the glutes and the hamstrings, and he managed these a la carte, like just took care of it um, as he saw fit, but didn't pay attention to it as a warning sign. Just wrote it off as getting old. Well, this the important point is that 
there were warning signs and the message is just to help you and all of my clients understand the, impo the importance of warning signs and not to write off all of our tight and weak muscles as annoyances. They are telling us something and quality communication from the body is an absolute gift, something to be grateful for. And that goes back to that first episode on hamstrings, which is hamstrings that just don't quit. It's all about tight hamstrings. And the five, I gave five reasons for why they might be tight. And this is one of them. So I just need to get you all on the same page. So anyways, how to strengthen your hamstrings like an expert. And no, this is not different types of deadlifts. If that is... <laughs> A list. If that is a subject from a trainer or someone you see on Instagram, this is the best way. They have to rank all their all their deadlifts and their hamstring exercises. Run. They're not thinking. They're just playing to a simple-minded idea that we can actually rank exercises. And no exercise should be ranked as better than than the other. And Look, for the entire Instagram fitness kingdom and sports performance enthusiast, hamstrings and deadlifts are royalty. This doesn't actually make them the king of exercises. And there's a, the bottom line is if your idea of strength is a few moves, a few moves with a barbell, you are seriously limiting yourself. I'm sorry when I sound like if I sound overly confident about this, um, I'm not sure why I just apologize, but moving on. For the same reason, deadlifts are coveted. They are also perpetually at fault for injuries. And that's because they're placed inappropriately in so many exercise programs. So where we're going is away from that. We have to find a different way to strengthen our hamstrings. And when I say find, I mean we are going to define what it is that we're strengthening and how that happens. And here is the, the bad news, though. Even if all the biomechanics make sense, uh, if you add a nervous system and the immune system into this, Everything can change. All the outcomes can change. I just heard Greg Ross, that was a Greg Roscoff say that today in my class, and that was a paraphrase. I didn't record that or write it down, but it did really stick in my head enough to get it out into the podcast world. Anyways, the special sauce that I'm bringing to this so that you can strengthen your hamstrings like an expert is a unique perspective on how muscles function. There's a lot more to muscles than just moving heavy stuff. There are, are elegant ways to transform your body that do not have to involve pain, injury, calluses, or bouncing around on the cardio machine. That is, if you can grasp what a strength curve, all caps, 
is and how it can help your strength training. The strength curve is a concept that the best, smartest trainers use to add variation into a training process or a training program, aka smart programming or periodization. So the strength curve, curve, curve is a model that shows how much force the muscles can produce at different angles at the joint. So it will look like a bell curve if the muscle is normal. And this is almost perfect science, but it's also not for the same reason I mentioned the biomechanics can be perfect of the exercise, but when you throw in old injuries, the nervous system and the immune system, you have a lot of unknowns and responses to old injury patterns and high or low stress thresholds in there. But when we can be as precise as possible, we use the strength curve of the muscle that we're trying to challenge. So that essentially means knowing when the muscle and where the muscle is stronger or mechanically advantaged, advantage, advantaged, and where the muscle is disadvantaged. And in another way to say that, where the muscle is weak or disadvantaged, meaning it could not tolerate a lot, and it can be pushed hard easily, or where the muscle is really strong and can tolerate more. So if you need a minute to just kind of stop and think about that, I would encourage you just to pause this and look at a picture of whatever muscle you want to. For easy sake, the hamstrings would be great. As I explained in the last episode, what weak hamstrings really need is this type of specificity in thinking about where it flexes, where it extends, and the different combinations of that. So like I said, if you need to take a break and think about this and look at a muscle and say, and look at a picture of a muscle and see where it is stronger and see where it is weaker, that is, this is a great place to do that. And, or I can tell you, which is a lengthened position, meaning when the knee is straight or when the hip is forward, so think of the bottom of a deadlift, the muscle is weaker. It is lengthened. Both ends are weakened, uh, lengthened. And then the shortened position, the muscle is stronger. So to challenge a muscle in the weaken, the weaker position, the lengthened position requires a high force contraction from your muscles and nervous system. This is not always possible. 
And this is where people get hurt in exercise and sports and plain old just like picking stuff up off the floor. The shortened position, the muscle is stronger, mechanically advantaged. This requires a high tension contraction for exercise or strength training purposes. Then there's the not, I would just call it the non-moving challenge or positional strength training, PST. This can include both variations, but mostly it requires a high neural contraction. And you'll see a lot of that on my Instagram and movement pathways. I would put this type of exercise, positional strength training, in the elegant group because you can do so many different things with very little equipment or effort and uh, moving effort, high velocity effort. So that this is, and it is what precisely that I teach in movement pathways and what I precisely execute for myself before strengthening my hamstrings. This can also be used in athletic populations and what I recommend for all athletes that come into my practice needing injury prevention or injury recovery. It's safe and affects the neural connections in a positive way most of the time and can be done near the field, before a yoga class, or at home when they're doing active recovery. So remember, the hamstrings are a two-joint muscle. And for the muscle nerds out there, that is it, an exception for the bicep femoris short head. So this means that to train the hamstrings fully, you have to focus on both joints. This is key for smart variations, smart programming, and actually in ch challenging the entire muscle. It also means you have to do more than one type of hamstring exercise. You can't completely focus on a two-joint muscle in one exercise. So in a squat, for example, the hamstrings are going to lengthen and shorten at the same at one end. So lengthen at one end and shorten at the other end and vice versa, meaning they really don't change length. Hmm. Okay. So here's the execution part for your end. The question is, what position do we overload? And overload is the term for what is challenged in a muscle. So in a big exercise like a deadlift, you're overloading a ton of muscles. Everything from your wrist, depending on what position you're holding the bar onto, your back muscles, and your hamstrings, just to give a few examples. Definitely, I, I could keep going on that list. So what is overloaded gets taxed and it gets challenged. Can the muscle metabolic, metabolically handle the exercise? And that's what I am referring to precisely when I say exercise is a challenge and your body orchestrates a response to the challenge. This is 
a lot of your, if any of my colleagues are listening to this, they're like, when is she going to give any credit to Tom Purvis and resistance training specialist? He basically that link is in every show notes because those courses completely changed the way that I see exercise and using muscle activation techniques has completely changed the way that I see overload and challenge and finding the exact and appropriate dosage for my clients, the precise dosage of overload. This is the sauce for recovering and strengthening beyond old injuries, people. This is it. The question is what we overload and how we overload it and that it's not too much. It's a metabolic challenge to the muscles. So remember, if your old hamstring injury can not produce as much force on one side, you're potentially putting yourself at risk every time you go into an exercise position that requires a lot of high forces and high force contractions. So that's, we're moving right into what to do, how to do this. So I'm giving this from a perspective of lab of me, because that is the safest way to talk about this stuff, right? To talk about it from my personal experience and then being able to lead you guys in the right way. Because I can't touch you. I can't cue you in your exercise during this podcast, obviously. But I can lead by example, tell you what I do with my clients, and tell you what I would do with beginners, and tell you what I would do with somebody with an old injury. It just so happens this is where all of my old injuries are, around my knees. So here we go, lab of me. Um, And where to start with all this overloading and making it appropriate, most importantly. Knee flexion. So we're talking about these two joint muscles, right? So the hamstrings, knee flexion. Now, I would say start with full shortening. Super easy. Leg curl machine. Start light and progressive loading and get into a working set. So a working set is what happens after you warm up, essentially. So if you're familiar with barbell squats, you should potentially do two to four uh, warm-up sets before you're actually completely loaded up and ready to go. So same thing with the hamstrings. I know especially for me, this is important. So I start with full knee flexion in the hamstring machines. So that could be the seated one or the lying down prone leg curl. And I already said it, progressive loading, right? That's the simple way to do it. I have all these little tricks like in the seated knee flexion machine, 
I will lean forward without flexing my spine, so keeping my spine nice and straight and erect. Moving forward, that lengthens the hamstrings, y'all. And I'm not putting them in a lot of danger. And that's a beautiful thing for me because I want to stay fit, be fit for a long time. So I need my exercise to be sustainable here. Um, what does this look like in other exercises? I will do the lying down leg machine. I focus on single leg work. We'll get into that in a minute. There is the heel elevated split squat. This is in my programming now, and I'll talk through that in a second. Then there's the leg press variation with the feet placed high on the plate. I really loved this one. It really helped me with uh, stability in my knees, and it's just fun. Like the leg press is fun. If you anybody that lifts weights uh, usually can get into the leg press machine. Um, and then let's go back to that heel elevated squat. And so what I have now for that is basically a 12 week split squat periodization. And to walk you through that, I will do four phases. And this is all something I learned from my coach. Uh, his name is Evan. Hopefully he'll get on this podcast soon. I, he's such a brainiac when it comes to this stuff. So you have four phases, and each of those have a different tempo. They focus on full knee flexion and loading in different parts or variations. So he shared with me a post from a, a coach that is a strength in conditioning specialist and exercise science expert that explains these variations. But the most important thing is that that we're just tweaking a few variables in each phase. So this is one exercise in my 12-week program that changes four times. Sorry, changes three times. So four changes total. Um, so the the I can I can personally because I'm experienced manipulate multiple variables. For a beginner, they would just work on one variable, and that is the beautiful thing about exercise. It doesn't have to be so, like comp complicated. If you just change one variable and one tweak you have a new exercise and a new stimulus for your brain. And then the opportunity to get better and the opportunity to change and get stronger. That is amazing. So the four variations are pretty simple. My heel is elevated with the prime split wedges. Uh, yeah, split wedges. And that means they're just, it elevates the heel like 10 degrees. You can also do this with a barbell plate. I, I actually did this in uh, two of my strength phases in the past year. And you just put a barbell, I'm sorry, <laughs> a plate underneath the front foot and you fall or push yourself forward to bend the knee fully and then you push yourself back up to a split stance. 
So that's the, the first phase is just doing that with dumbbells. Easy peasy. The next phase is doing that with a barbell and making it really slow in one phase. Next is combining the two, going slow with the dumbbells and doing a pulse at the bottom. That's called adding extra tension and that is awesome when it's done at the right time. So that's phase three for me. And then the next one is using a uh, a front load, meaning like a, a barbell in a um, front position. And I haven't gotten there yet, so I don't know if I'm doing that version, but I am at the second phase now, which is a slow eccentric and pushing back up pretty quickly. I guess I'll have to show some pictures, some videos of that. Happy times ahead. Okay. So where am I at now? The next type of shortening that we can do is focusing on a stable pelvis. So that means that this would work in the leg curl. So that means the more stable the pelvis, the harder you can contract the glutes and the hamstrings. Win-win, ding-ding. I probably need some cool uh, chimes right there because Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Again, I'll say that again. Uh, the more stable the pelvis, the harder you can contract. That's a beautiful thing. And that is something I would suggest that people really work on as a skill. And again, it can be done in the leg press. It can also be done in um, a modified, what are those, Nordic curls. If you have some constraints built in, so everything has to be modified, that might not be a good example. This can be done on the, is it called a Roman chair? The, the hyperextension bench where your torso goes down towards the floor and it's locked in to a pad and you lift back up. So the legs are usually kind of straight, the knees are straight in this exercise and your head and torso go down. And if you're focusing on a stable pelvis, you can contract everything more. And that is actually a lengthened positions for the hamstrings. So that can get real juicy. You can really feel that one. So I will say this. When we are fully shortening, this is really easy to execute with a visible motion like the bicep or the chest, and very hard to execute with something you can't see like your calves or your hamstrings or your uh, calves, hamstrings, lower back, shoulders. And that is a really interesting thing to think about, but you ha actually have to work harder to visually and mentally connect to these muscles. So that's, that's a big tip right there. Um, and just spending more time on the visualization will make your whole execution strategy better. So then we're going to the lying leg curl. So to focus on the shortening piece here, that's where you start. Remember, number one is focus on the shortening. Spend time squeezing at the top and then build up a tolerance. So number two, the next variation 
would be to slowly uh, shorten and slowly lengthen. First variation is just squeezing at the top, adding more tension, high tension contraction, remember? And then the second variation is adding some kind of tempo change. And then the third variation is maybe even slower on the way down where your body needs that high, where the muscle is required to do the high force contractions. Then, I'm just making sure I didn't skip anything here. I feel like I did. Let me go back to that mind-muscle connection piece. That's hard. It's easy to visualize the front muscles, like the quads and the chest, and hard to visualize the back muscles, like the triceps and the hamstrings. So for a deadlift, this would be replacing the cue to finish with a pull on the bar, an external cue to pull the bar up and replace it with a cue to finish hip extension and feel the glutes and the hamstrings contract together to stand up. Just this cue alone will make your deadlift more effective for glute training and low back safety. You're welcome. So now let's go to something I execute once a week and for my hamstrings, and that's called single leg work. I do this on the leg prone machine, leg curl, the prone machine. So this is a, uh, let me see here. Okay, single leg work here is special because your pelvis is being controlled by the non-moving leg so that your moving side can receive all the challenge that is available, whether that be shortened or lengthened or just positional strength training isometric. And what you'll do is when it's shortening, you'll think about the pulling the lower leg up your thigh and the hamstring kind of tensing up or balling up and coming together. What I do with clients is like I'll pinch the back of their hamstrings really lightly and I say, feel this coming together. And the what people mostly do is like throw the, they get the heel and the calf to throw the pad or the weight towards their butt. And I will find a good example of and connect that in the show notes because I think that's worth looking at. Um, because the 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 vision of what slow and controlled is and what is acceptable execution in my presence at my studio is way different than what you see at the gym every day and people just throwing weights around with a lot of momentum. Very different. So single leg work. That's what I do a lot. So another thing that you'll see people do for single leg work is um, hip hinging exercises and I guess different squats on a single leg. Um, I... Yeah, none of that I do, um, except for the hip hinging in movement pathways and for my warm-ups. 
because I can focus on different isometric pieces of control, especially around the knee for myself. Okay, the next way to play with the strength curve is spend time with tension. Tension is a good thing. This means making the most out of the resistance that is provided in your exercise. So this can be done in any exercise if you know what the muscle is doing. So with the with a squat that would be having a pulse at the bottom. When your glutes when if you're doing it slow and controlled, you're not just like twerking and butt winking. Not the same thing. This can be done at the top of a deadlift. This can be done at uh, different points of a glute bridge or a hip thrust. This can be done, I just used an example of it earlier. Oh, my split squat. So you go down to full knee flexion or full bend of the knee and you do a pulse. That is spending time with the tension. Um, and this is something I have played, I, I spent probably all of 2016 and 17 doing in my weight training is actually just putting different, spending a lot of time in tension with my exercise. And so that's a very, uh, I would say that's pretty advanced to be able to do that because you have to know where every muscle is connected and what it's doing. And, but you can work on it for your hamstrings and just using it uh, pulsing. So in a leg curl machine, and your knee is straight, and then you bring the knee into flexion, meaning closing the knee, and then you let it out a little bit, and then you pull it in again, extra tension, and then let it out nice and slow. That is a long uh, repetition. That's one repetition, and it's longer and more tension than when compared to other types of exercise. So, whew, got that. I'm looking through my list and I just got through everything. So, there we go, kids. That, those are my hamstring secrets. Wow. Uh, I feel kind of liberated sharing that with you guys and I am feeling accomplished that I get to share this with my clients and that they will be able to better strengthen with my movement pathways students. Uh, this is going to add to the sequences that you already have for the hamstrings. And so the movement pathways will focus more on the tension and the neural parts of the strength curve of the hamstrings. So that would be positional strength training, low-grade isometrics, dynamic isometrics, and then strengthening with shortened muscle positions after that. So that long breath of exercises I just described is about 20 minutes of hamstring focused exercises. So that would be a lot. So then after that, you would switch to either a compound movement or move on to a different area like the, like the back or the uh, upper body of 
in various places. And that's a wrap. I'm so excited because this hamstring guide was a lot of effort, but like I said, it's liberating and I am grateful for all of you and for asking questions. This episode was directly in response to a question. I was like, you know what? I'm not done. I've got to explain the rest of this story about hamstrings. And I will not say hamstrings again for at least 20 hours. Uh, So I look forward to seeing you guys and I love you all. Have a great workout and a great week.